Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, the podcast covering everything from engineering, mining, and mine waste management to whatever else may be on our minds. Pop in your headphones and don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share. And now, here is your host, Brian Ulrich. Hey everyone, this is Brian, and you are back with Behind the Scenes with Brian, and I am here today with a uh, very clever author, university professor by the name of uh, Jan Johansson, and he is from the University of uh, Lulau in Sweden. He wrote a paper along with a couple of his colleagues named Mining 4.0, and I was just... uh, really captivated by the content in this and I asked Jan to join us today and Jan how are you today? Oh just fine sir. Good and and you're calling from Sweden today? From the very north of Sweden so we have a a snowy winter right now and it's minus 10 degrees. Well it's it's, it's lovely. Yeah (laughs) it's about the same in Denver, not quite as cold, but it's below freezing anyway, so it's similar, yeah. similar day. I know you have some nice sunny days in the winter, just like Denver does. Mm, yes, exactly. Well, Jan, maybe you could give us a little bit of background about yourself, about your uh, education and how you got to be where you are and what you do in the university. Okay. I'm a chair professor in human work science since 25 years at Luleå University of Technology. But now I'm 70 years old, so I have left my chair, but I'm still working as a professor. Um, my research is to a high degree focused on health and safety, work organization, workplace design in mining, mostly in the European context. For the moment, I'm working with a project, a European Union project called SIMS, Sustainable Intelligent Mining Systems. And that's a project in close cooperation with the mining industry. We are working with converting from diesel to battery power. It's about automation, it's about 5G, and it's about flying underground. And by that, we mean flying with drones in mines. So that's a little bit of who I am. The development is in the mining industry and elsewhere, it's going uh, incredibly quickly, probably never as quickly as uh, during the Industrial Revolution. There's so many different advancements and technologies, and like you're talking about drones and autonomous vehicles and remote work and, and a, lot of, a lot of things like that. And that's one of the things that makes you think, well, what what happens next and that is kind of answered in the work that you did in the mining 4.0 that I alluded to and what uh, what inspired you to pick up this the the gauntlet of the mining 4.0 well it started with that I'm trying to st- I studied the German concept industry 4.0 and uh, that's something that's described as the fourth industrial revolution where internet of things is combina- combined with, with humans and integrated into small factories. 
And uh, my idea was to take the same concept, concept and discuss smart mines and, and uh, something that we call mining 4.0 or 4.0. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, and maybe you could explain the mining 4.0 to us in a little more detail. Yeah. Uh, mining 4.0, it means that it, it has big influence on, on humans. It means that we can expand our minds, memory, skills through technology. And uh, this is something that needs to be discussed from the perspective of an attractive work, work, workplace. So I've, I've identified six roles, six stereotypes for the miners of the future. The first is the super strength miner, where we are using biomechanical support to increase the limb movement, increase strength and endurance. So it's a kind of physical interaction between uh, man and, and uh, uh, machines. Uh, the second type is the augmented miner, there is a more of a cogn cognitive interaction by using augmented reality uh, and integrated with, with uh, integrated digital world with, with the physical world. For example, through glasses or directly into the contact lens, you can do a lot of things. For example, maintainers receiving directly uh, assistance from from. Uh, equipment manufacturer and so on. The third category I call the virtual miner. Then we are using virtual reality. And this has been used for a long time, for example, for simulation of uh, in uh, training, in training in real, uh, real uh, situations and so on, training for high risk scenarios, it has also been used for, for uh, testing new machines, but you build a model and you can go into the uh, virtual reality world and look at the machine. But the interesting thing is when we start to use uh, virtual reality for production control through digital twins, then you can sit anywhere as long as you have an internet connection and you are sober. The virtual miner, uh, he can do whatever he wants. He can he can uh, sit and write poetry on Cayman Island, but he must be available when he's needed, when something unforeseen has happened. But of course, we can also use the technology to flag out production into low countries, uh, low wage countries. The fourth stereotype is the healthy miner. Then we are talking about wearable sensors for monitoring health-related metrics as well as positioning. Positioning is important. And this is very interesting in rescue operation. When something happened, we want to find the miners and we want to get the picture of their state of health. And it can be very useful, but of course it's related to a lot of integrity problems. Uh, Big Brother CEO is some kind of a scary scenario that we, we want to avoid. Uh, the fifth is the social miner. Uh, by using Wi-Fi and 5G, uh, 
we can interact between operators and between machine. And this can be useful. It can counteract negative effects for working alone, for example. And you may have contact with the family, your family and your children when you're working and so on. You can look after your sick mothers if you need to do that. So the boundary between work and leisure time will be more blurred. So that's an interesting development. The sixth stereotype is the analytical miner. Nowadays we collect a, a huge amount of data, what we call big data. And uh, by using big data analytics, we can discover new patterns and we can predict failures and so on. But here we can see a great potential to develop the work content for the future miners. We can create options for, for preventing maintenance, for example, and uh, this can be very useful. Uh, indeed. So, pardon? Uh, I just said indeed. Go oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, what kind of work do we want in the future? That's the question we, mu we must ask so, ourselves. We can't stop Industry 4.0, uh, or rather for Mining 4.0, if we call it so. But what is good and what is bad? What kind of workplace do we want tomorrow? So it's very important that we think before we act. We have tried to, to illustrate this by creating two scenarios. One utopian scenarios, God's gift to mankind, you can describe it as, and one more dystopian, it's more the wolf is coming. So, uh, well, that's the two scenarios we have formed. So why not let's start with uh, listen to the dystopian scenario, the wolf is coming. Okay, great. Yeah, let's do that. You have to be grateful that you even have a job now that everything is automated. Most of the jobs have disappeared and the entire municipality is depopulated without acceptable social service. There is a small colony with cheap labour that the company flies in, mostly cleaning staff, but we rarely meet them. They are not part of the trade union and usually stick to themselves. I am ashamed that the company does not take greater responsibility for the community. After all, we are the ones who have built the company's wealth. There are some qualified jobs located in the control centre above ground, but most of these jobs have moved to town and are carried out remotely via the net. Some work is even done from India. They say it's cheaper that way. It's not just an A and B team anymore. We now also have a C team. What remains for us is mostly maintenance work, but it is no longer qualified work. Most of it is wearing augmented reality glasses and carrying out tasks according to the instructions that we get from central maintenance or a machine supplier far away. Sometimes we have to put on an exoskeleton if there is heavy lifting. There used to be a few women in our group, but they didn't stick around for long. They said the exoskeletons would make it easier for them, but they could hardly reach the controls. But then again, we insisted that they be bulky, so that they would look like real mining robots. 
Now there's also these collaborative robots that are supposed to help us with heavy tasks. But they and every other system require so many cameras and sensors, so the company sees everything we do. You easily get the feeling that Big Brother sees you. As soon as you get a new idea about how something can be done in a better way, it should be added directly to the production computer, so that it can be standardised. And it's not worth trying to keep an idea for yourself. The system at once notices if you deviate from the expected. But everything is not bad. The work is not as dangerous as before, because we do not work at the front nowadays. And there are no diesel vehicles anymore. Underground, everything is automated. But of course, we must install the electricity and access points. And then you notice that the company has reduced the ventilation. The blasting gases still remain far into the shift and you can feel your head getting heavier as the day drags on. What I miss most is my workmates. We have our mobile phones and tablets so that we can keep in touch with each other, but it is not the same as when working with the boys. Oh, that was absolutely fantastic. That was amazing. So what uh, what can we make of all that, Professor? Well, that was a rather depressing story. I think we will continue to listen to the more utopian visions of God's gift to mankind, and then we can discuss it. Yes, let's do that. Most of the underground work is automated and no one works in the front anymore. The production control takes place from a bright and pleasant control room above ground or collaborative visualisation rooms as they are called nowadays. The routine monitoring work has been automated. With AI you get better stability in production, at least until something completely unexpected happens. Then our skills are needed. Our professional role has been extended to include the entire value flow, from mountain to customer. Of course, we do not control the flow, but it's a transparent system where we can see how our work contributes to the bigger picture. If we see an opportunity for improvement, we can switch over to our digital twin to experiment and test the outcome. Then we have access to a large amount of logged production data that we can dig into. Data mining, they call it. We have a flat organisation, and I've learned a lot at work through this. Programming, production planning. I've even been involved in the development of the new mining machines. It's always fun if you can trim the production, and then not only financial measures apply, but also so-called green measures, such as saving water or reducing greenhouse gas emissions. We're quite proud that our company takes a great social responsibility, not only for the environment, but for a prosperous society that can offer a rich social and cultural environment. When something goes wrong in the production, it's indicated in our mobile phones, and usually we can solve it with a few keystrokes. But sometimes we have to go into a VR model and maybe direct a robot to a crusher to break apart a boulder. If the error has not occurred before, we sometimes have to go down into the mine to understand what has happened. Then we can bring the entire production control in our mobile tablets so we can quickly restart the production flow. When we're forced to go down into the mine, 
we always wear a safety vest with sensors so that one can follow where we are and warn if any dangerous environmental factors appear or if something seems strange to our health. It's pleasant atmosphere at our workplaces. For many of us who are a little older, it was difficult to learn the new system, but the company wisely realised the value of our experience, especially when the new system should be started up. Nowadays, the level of education is high among all employees. We've gained many new valuable impressions because many employees come from other cultures and the even gender balance has had a positive impact on our well-being. It used to be that there were only men here, but now we're almost 50-50. Last month, my daughter even started working for the company. She's a computer science major but works as much with my colleagues as she does with a computer. It feels good to know that there will be a new generation and that young people have stopped moving away. It seems the company's investments in the community and insistence on training and using locals really paid off. Well, that was a much more positive outcome at, at that end. Uh, what, what can we conclude from all of that? Well, the big question is, the wolf is coming or God's gift to man, man, mankind? And uh, in the two scenarios, I've raised six problem areas that, that is important to discuss. Uh, the first one, the work is automated and job will disappear. The second, the work can be done at distance. Other skills are required. New forms of employment contracts, new gender patterns, and new and old work environment problems. So we can start with the first, first one. The work is automated and job will disappear. We can, we can see an increased automation and that will reduce the number of jobs in industry. That's the idea with, with, with automation. But it will also increase prosperity in the, society, in the society, and it will increase consumption. And increased consumption, it will it mean that we will have a growing service sector. So that's probably what's going to happen. But the question is, is there an alternative development? I can see two alternatives. One, that we increase the value of the product, and the other is that we take back production from abroad. At least in, in, in the Nordic country, much of the production has be, been moved to, to low-wage countries. Mm, indeed, indeed, yeah. Yeah. The other in, interesting question is that work can be done at distance, Automation is often combined with remote control and uh, production control. We have seen that it's been moved from underground, the bow ground, but also from mining areas into cities and even to other countries. And it mean that mean that minor communities will be depopulated. Maybe we will go into a fly-in, fly-out situation, something that we are trying to avoid in in Europe, and especially in Sweden, we are trying to avoid it. So the question, is this good or is it bad? Maybe it's both. Or maybe there are another way around. 
maybe the workplaces in the future will be moved from the large city into the countryside. That's possible with the new, new technology. The third important area is that other skills are required. We can see in mining, we can see a development from craftsmanship to theoretical knowledge, more process independent knowledge. Passive knowledge is built into computers and into machine. So is this upscaling or are we talking about descaling or is it rescaling? It's probably uh, all three. But what we can see and what's the risk, that's polarization. That some people get upskilled jobs and others get de-skilled jobs. And the big question is how to avoid de-skilling of work. If we are going to, to, to find labor in the future, we, we must avoid that situation. The fourth area is new form of employment contracts. We know, at least in Sweden, there are more entrepreneurs in mining. Skills can be bought online, different kinds of crowdsourcing and, and so on. The question is, what's the role of the union, the trade union in such an, an uh, uh, labor market? What happened with the Nordic labor market model? We have we have had not had a strike in Swedish mines since 1969. And that's something that we are, are proud of. So we are a little yeah. bit scared of these yeah. missions. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's very impressive. Yeah. yeah. The fifth is gender, the gender patterns. The mining industry must do something about their unequal gender balance. Uh, otherwise, they can't be respected as a modern, modern industry. But with the new technology, the physical obstacles to an equal workplace will disappear. All gender, old-fashioned gender patterns will be challenged. The macho masculinity will be challenged. But how will the new technology be gender marked? That's the question. And how do we want it to be gender marked? The situation is now that mining is a very male industry focused with a macho masculinity approach character and now the computer industry is coming it's also male industry they are not macho masculine but they are male so male plus male what's the chance that they will solve the problem i think here we need some new approaches and the last question it's about new and old work environmental problems Dangerous work will disappear. That's no question about that. Automation removes yeah. control and so on. We will move move uh, miners from the face front. But maybe it's a new type of, of something we can call digital Taylorism, where, where the computers take control over our lives. That's something we must think about. Maybe in the future, as I mentioned previously, we must be available 24 hours a day, seven, hours a, seven days a week, 364 days a year. Maybe this will create uh, increased stress problems. Integrity is a problem. Big brothers see you, that's something that we want to avoid. But on the other hand, we, 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 we can see it 
something that can can be very beneficial for us. So, so the question is, how shall we maneuver in this new technical landscape? What kind of work do we want in the future? Mm. We have to think before we act. How shall we meet Industry 4.0 in mining? And this is a crucial question that the mining industry must ask itself before it's too late. Yeah, that's that's uh, uh, very thought-provoking for sure. Uh, according to what I hear, things like machine learning, robotics, and and, and uh, AI actually lead to more employment. And I don't think that means direct employment. If your job gets taken over by a robot, it might take one person to operate the robot, but it takes people to build the robot, people to envision the robot, people. Uh, you know, software engineers and, and all that sort of thing. So I, I, I don't see the world being taken over by robots without humans being uh, greatly involved in, in that uh, outcome. No, that's probably far away, but, but um, in the projects I'm working with about future mining, there we are often talking about the zero entry mine as a vision for the future. Mm. And that we are very well aware that it's not going to happen. Yeah. And it's not going to happen fast at least. But but yeah. um, we, we, we we need to we need to have it as a vision. Yeah. For for safety for safety reason. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's great that's great. Uh, Professor, that was uh, amazing and, and very thought-provoking. So, what's what's next for you? Is there any um, outcomes from this project that you're working on, or what what well, comes next? We are pl planning a new project that we are running for for financing by the European Union, where I'm going to take part of the work package called the digital the digital miners where we are going to form some kind of roadmap or guidelines for how miners, the mining work in the future should be should be designed. Ah, that's great. That's so I hope we will manage to raise money for the project. Yeah, fantastic. And I should mention, and I'll put in the show notes to the podcast, that the title of the paper is Mining 4.0, the impact of new technology from a workplace perspective, and it yeah. was it appeared in mining and Met, I'm sorry, mining metallurgy and exploration, uh, 2019 uh, number 36, and it is available online, and uh, it's quite worth the read. I really appreciate you putting all the effort into it, and it was a very heavily. Uh, researched and referenced paper, so it's uh, it it really is a, a work that should stand the test of time. And professor, before I let you go, I just have one more question, and okay. it's a question that I ask of all of my guests, and yeah. it's a little bit out in left field, but it is: what do you think about the future of space mining? Well, there are a lot of discussions. At, at, when you go to a mining conference, there usually is one or two that are talking about space mining, but uh, it's very far away. I, I think uh, 
was more relevant is mining under sea. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, because seven percent of the earth is covered by water, and no doubt there is a lot of minerals under that water. So. Ah, uh, you're absolutely right, and that is a unique answer to the question. Nobody has uh, stated that before, so that's also very uh, thought-provoking. Mm. Well, Professor, do you have anything else to, to say? Any uh, parting wisdom or, or anything else for us before I let you go? Well, I don't think I have so much wisdom to do. <laughs> yeah. I just can say to the, to the audience, thank you for listening. So. Yeah, it's been great having you as a guest, and I appreciate you uh, sharing your time with us and look forward to uh, the next steps, and, and I'll, I'll be following your progress on that. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Well, that's it. I'm Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian. Until next time, keep on rockin'.